Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you and welcome to New Year's Day 2021. The Gregorian calendar has shifted, the page has been turned, and here we are, January 1st, 2021. And again, we're talking about that Gregorian calendar, which is a great calendar. It's good, nothing wrong with it. And we mark a lot of time by the Gregorian calendar. We also love to look at the Hebrew calendar, we should call it the Hebrew calendar. And I want you to know that today, according to the Hebrew calendar, it is the 17th. No, it's actually the 16th day because the day begins in the evening. So today is the 16th day until sunset of the 10th month to Beth. And last night in our meeting, we talked a little bit about this. Um, And I want to go over a little bit more today because I feel the juice of this prophetic moment that we are living in, and I want us to take a clearer look and give some explanation as to why we're thinking this way, okay? So today in the Hebrew calendar is the 16th day of the 10th month, and the 10th month in Scripture is Tebeth, is how you say it, the Tebeth, or some call it Tovet, but Tebeth actually means, that, that month name Tebeth means goodness, All right, so in the Hebrew economy of things, this is the month of goodness. I pray that God has been good to you. He's been very good to us. He's kept us alive and healthy by his grace. We still have a sound mind. Praise the Lord. We're still serving the Lord, and so let's get at it today, all right? We've got a whole year ahead of us to run one day at a time, no doubt about it. One day at a time is how we're going to live, 
And yet we know that each day is going to bring its own interesting stuff, right? So it is the 16th day of Tibet in the Hebrew calendar. And what's interesting about this month, if you go through scripture and you look at the 10th month, it was a month that King of Babylon took all of his armies and surrounded Jerusalem in 586 BC. I mean, the 10th day of the 10th month uh, is a day that Nebuchadnezzar came against the gates of Jerusalem. But it's also a month that Queen Esther was taken, or Esther had been taken to the royal palace. It was in this month that she had been one of the selections. And I believe that there's a prophetic picture in both of these monthly events. Number one, the king of Babylon coming against the gates of Jerusalem. Think about that in a national way where the global Babylonian, global one world government folks are bringing all their power against the gates of the Jerusalem or the people of God, if you will. I believe that this is all happening right now and will be continue to happen in the Hebrew calendar in the 10th month. And then also that God um, is, is bringing choice people from around the world into kingdom business. That just as Joseph went into Egypt and he affected the Egyptian political situation, so God brought forth David into being a king, and God is bringing forth Esther to bring her to a position of power in the Persian Empire. And so I do see a moment of destiny for unknown people that God is going to call together, and he's going to call out of wherever they've been, and he's going to employ them in his business, and the kingdom business always affects the kingdoms of this earth and the kingdoms of this world. So God could take a Joseph and put him in Egypt. God could take an Esther and put her in Persia. Uh, God can go forward and call the Peter, James, and John away from their fishing nets to follow the Messiah. And I just believe that this is a calling out moment for God's people. There is a calling of the Holy Spirit for you to come further, to walk away from some things that you've been employed with, and to hear the voice of God say, come follow me, and or God will employ you without your permission, like he did Esther and like he did Joseph. He set that whole thing up that both Joseph and Esther would come to a place of destiny within the kingdoms of the world to affect change. Now, I'm all good with that. I think that's awesome. And so the prophetic picture for right now is there's a calling on your life. You're not just a wandering star. You're not just a cloud without water. You're not here by accident. I don't care how you came into this earth, by what mechanism or means. You're here on purpose right now as a believer in Jesus Christ, and it's New Year's Day. So what I want to do is just stay focused a little bit longer, just in case you didn't join us last night in our gathering, which we thought was awesome. And, you know, we just kind of let it rip, and we heard raving reviews so far, and we appreciated this presence of God because Outside of everything said, God's presence from the moment we stepped into that environment was very thick. The presence of God was in our midst. And we love that because it changes us. So one of the things we talked about last night, or I did in my time of sharing, and I think there were at least 15 people that shared. Um, one of the things that I thought were interesting, and I do want to share the reason why um, it is this way. So remember, just let's track it for a moment. Not only is it the 16th day of Tobeth, okay, in the Hebrew calendar, and it will be until the sun sets tonight, but it is also the year 5780, 
Now, let me explain this, okay, because I think it's important, and, and I'm good either way because, again, this is a general outline to where I really want to get to this morning in our New Year's Day message. Okay, so in a general outline, there are two streams of thought when it comes to the biblical calendar or the Hebrew calendar. And as you know, there is in the book of Exodus, and I would like to just read it to you so we have it very clear. And again, I love, the, I love going back and studying the word of God. The whole counsel of God's word is good for me, and I know it's good for you. But I want you to hear this. The first few verses in Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Now you got to say, well, what month is he talking about, right? It shall be the first month of the year to you. So from God's perspective, when he's dealing with Israel, God is telling them about a particular month that will be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So if there's going to be a new year, this month that God was talking to Moses about is the month that begins the new year in the economy of God. We're just talking about the biblical reality here. And then it says, uh, it tells them exactly what to do. And he talks about, and again, again, interesting, it shall be the first month to you, speak unto the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth day of this month, you shall take to them every man a lamb, and according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And then he goes on with more instruction. And then I just, I'll just shift over here. It says, and they shall kill it on what day? In verse 6, you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. Okay, so we're talking about one month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They shall take the blood and strike it upon the two posts. Now, you know where this is going, right? The first month that they're talking about was the month when the children of Israel were in Egypt, and it was Passover, which puts you in the month of what is known as Abib or Nisan, okay? Abib or Nisan, one and the same. So that corresponds to the Gregorian months, March and April. So what we know is that last Passover, in the first or the beginning of the months, the first month of the year began on the first day of the month Nisan. Now, let's be clear about something. The year began, and the new year, according to this pattern, will begin on March 14th, 2021. Okay? So in the Hebrew calendar, March 14th, 2021 will actually be the first day of the first month of a new year. Now, the reason I'm going into this is because another stream of thought, more rabbinical, and you have to beware of the rabbinical teaching because the rabbis murdered Jesus Christ or called for his death, right? So rabbis have been wrong before. That's why I love to follow the word of God. But in rabbinical thought, in rabbinical teaching, they say that the new year is in the seventh month called Rosh 
Hashanah, Rosh, the head of the, the, the head of the month is what it's referring to, Rosh, the head of something. So they said, well, we have a civil calendar, and our civil calendar will begin, Happy New Year, Rosh Hashanah, the first day of the seventh month. But that's not what God said. God told them about the first day of the seventh month would be Rosh Hashanah, the blowing of trumpets, to usher in reality the fall feast of the Lord, which was tabernacles. Because on the first day of the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar, when they blew the trumpets, then there were 10 days of awe or introspection, and then, four, and then the day of atonement on the 10th day of the seventh month, and then four days later, the Feast of Tabernacles. So how the rabbinical teaching got into, well, this is the new year, happy new year. I don't know. I don't know why they go there. It's not biblical. It's rabbinical. But biblically, the first day of the first month is in Nisan or Abib. This year, 2021, this coming Passover, well, the first day of the first month will be March 14th. And then on the 14th day, puts you to March 27th and March 28th, which is the beginning of the Passover season. All right, so Passover begins March 27th or 8th, whereas the new year begins on March 14th. 13th or 14th. It's in that time frame. So why do we say this? Because last Passover, last year, the year we're still in, we're only in the 10th month, according to the Hebrew calendar, to Beth. Last year began 5780. Now, in October, in the rabbinical teaching, they said, well, now we're in 5781 in the rabbinical teaching of the seventh month being New Year, Okay. But biblically speaking, 5781 does not commence until March 14th, 2021, 2021. So what I wanted to share with you, and I was sharing it last night, and I'm going to tell you why it's interesting to me. If nothing else, it's interesting. So about three years ago, I was sitting on the couch with Patricia on a Saturday having a Shabbat Shalom day of rest. And while we were just kicking back, you know, sitting on opposite ends of the couch, facing each other with our legs stretched out and in the word, God told me in my spirit to do a study on the numbers of particular Hebrew and Greek according to concordance. In other words, it was like 1770, uh, 5777. And he said, look at that number 5777 and go and get the, the definition or the meaning of that number in the concordance. In other words, you go to the Hebrew concordance and you look for the number 5777. What does it say? And so about three years ago, I did that study and I found a phenomenal pattern, 577, 5777, then 5778, which was 2018, 5779, 2019. 5780 was 2020, 5781. And each one of those Hebrew numbers carried a meaning that were phenomenal. And I could go through them, but what I want to talk about for just a moment is the year that we are currently in right now and have been since last Passover. We are in the year 5780. And in the Hebrew, when you go to 5780, that literally means consultation consultation, seeking advice. 
looking for information, seeking information about how to conduct certain businesses or whatever we're looking for advice. So 5780 has been consultation. You look at it in so many different ways. How much consultation has gone on about COVID-19, right? How much consultation has gone on in the house of God about how to prepare for what's coming down the pike? Consultation, advice. What do I do about this? How do I move here? And, and it seems like in every level, there has just been a year of consultation. Now, what I find interesting, as we move into the year 2021, by the time we get to March 14th, 2021, that's between now, January 1st, and March 14th, then 5781 comes. So if you look up the word, or you go to the Hebrew concordance and you get to 5781, the definition of that word Number one, the word is the muaka, the muaka. That's the Hebrew word that you find next to 5781, muaka. The word means, muaka means pressure, to be pressed, affliction, distress, and to pack. Now, when I was studying this out, back in 5777 or 2017, and I was marking each year and seeing the prophetic pattern behind each one of these numbers, here we are all of a sudden two and a half months away. We're talking about September, or excuse me, January, February, and then two weeks into March. We're talking about two and a half months from coming to 5781, where the definition of that number is what we call in the New Testament, the great tribulation. The word tribulation is the Greek word philipsis, and it means pressure, anguish. It literally means distress, perplexity. And also in the definition, it means to pack. And I thought that was very interesting. And again, I'm going to share with you why I'm looking at this general outline just for observation. We're not saying, thus saith the Lord. We're not saying anything. This is prophetic from God. I believe there's a pattern here, and it's very worthy of examination, seeing that it's all God's word, God's numbers, and all of those good things. So the great tribulation is a reality in Scripture, and it's all about pressure, affliction, anguish. But the, one, the part of the number that really got me was to pack. In other words, Right at the commencement of the Great Tribulation, according to the book of Revelation, God is bringing a people where? Into the wilderness. Pack your bags, you're going into the wilderness, right? When you go back to the first exodus out of Egypt, God brought the children of Israel where? Into the wilderness, so a people that have gone into the wilderness, what did they do? They packed their bags. They spoiled the Egyptians. The Egyptians poured on them gold and silver and everything that they needed. And the nation of Israel, now fully packed with their cattle, their donkeys, are now leaving the land of Egypt that is being destroyed by God. Okay, And they're going into the wilderness. It's a prophetic picture of what will happen in the last days during the Great Tribulation. Not everybody that says they believe in Jesus Christ, are going into 
the wilderness. But there will be a woman, I call her the bride, I call her the sanctified remnant, the overcomers, I call them the, uh, you know, the, the elect of God that are being separated unto God. Whoever they are, there is a people that are going into the wilderness in the book of Revelation. So 5781, the muwaka means to pack because the time of pressure, distress, tribulation, anguish is coming on the earth. And as we've been saying this whole week, that there are five levels of warfare, the Revelation 12 warfare in the second heaven, the contention that's going to go on, the violent clashing. And and I've got to reiterate this because I need us to be impressed upon our minds to understand what God is revealing. And again, for our examination, we need to be judicial. We don't need to jump in and say, that's the word of the Lord. This is what God is revealing. We need to search it out. So a level of violence between Michael and the angels and the devil and his angels in the second heaven. And then what happens in Revelation 12 is the devil is cast out of the second heaven. When that happens, the Bible says that the devil will make landfall and he will awaken on this earth having great fury. And with that great fury, he will begin his war against God and everything called God on this earth. The devil has been operating behind the scenes, but the season we're moving into right now is a season of great conflict on five levels, that angelic war that's going on in the heavenly realms. That is going to create consternation, conflict, and contest on this earth, and it's going to go from the second heaven, the spiritual realm of the second heaven, and all of a sudden, because the devil's now on the earth, it's going to bring manifestation to the global agenda. And we know that the Bible talks about a global one-world government. There have been many global one-world governments that have come and gone throughout the millennia, starting with Nimrod and his tower and uh, the Tower of Babel, okay, a, a call to the nations to become one. And then you see the Egyptian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire. So you see all these calls to one world government with a one world ruler. And in these last days with the globalism that's going on through the United Nations and all these different components, there's going to be a man of sin. His name is Lucifer, by the way, whatever he looks like, whatever he comes as, it is Lucifer on earth in the flesh, but it's the same spirit that was in the heavens always doing the work. So there's going to be global conflict. You and I are here. Think about it. We're living where the global contention, the global reality of a fallen demonic foe now come to earth, the devil himself taking control and the reins of power, according to the Bible prophecy in Revelation, he will rule the entire world. The saints will have no influence for three and a half years. That's what it means to overcome the saints. For three and a half years, the saints will have no spiritual or political influence in this earth. The devil is coming to put everything out and is given the right and power. Well, what that produces in the people that believe in God is who is the overcomer. Because while we may not be affecting transformation or change in the kingdoms of this earth at that time, and the devil will not allow the influence of our light to shine, we still will be here influencing one another, doing miracles, signs, and wonders in a covert way. To that, there's no doubt. 
that we're not just going to be hiding out in a cave eating our fingernails. We're going to be motivated, active, doing exploits. God's people are going to be super empowered during this time to do miracle signs and wonders around the world, yet not having influence in the political persuasions, the media, because it's going to be a total takeover by the powers of darkness globally. This is global. We're going to be here for that. And then the next layer, again, is the national. So you and I that live in America, we're going to deal with a national crisis. And the crisis is, is that the global reality has taken root in the nation. And that global reality came from a fallen demonic spirit, the devil himself, who's going to use all the powers of globalism, all the powers of the earth in every particular facet of economy, military, uh, judicial. He's taking over everything from entertainment to all of it. He's already got a huge stronghold, and he's going to use it for his own glory by the time this takes off. Now, then it goes from the national level. We're living in America, and you just imagine Joe Biden wins the election. Kamala Harris is in there. Barack Obama's activated. All the globalists, all the people that hate God are now making their war against the Christians, and they're shutting down uh, any speech against homosexuality or whatever, and they want to shed more innocent blood. I'm just giving you a type and shadow of what it would look like on steroids because of the demonic that's going to possess these people and get, you know, when their masks are really taken away. Then the next level was the local level in your community, in your state, in your city, in your town, in your neighborhood. Okay, the local level. Because if your neighbor is hostile to God and they're under the influence of the demonic of Lucifer and the global agenda has taken root in their lives and the national agenda has taken root in their lives, then in the local level, they're going to not like you very much if you put out a sign about Jesus or, you, you know, you, you walk as one who is truly belonging to the Lord. So you're going to have to deal with that locally. How about in your town? How are you going to operate? Is it going to be okay? Well, during the tribulation, you won't have any influence. You're going to have to operate under cover, under the, uh, behind the scenes, doing the exploits. So don't get bummed out because you can't influence the world for that moment. We're going to be doing a lot in that time. But then we talked about the personal. Now, last night I talked about the personal, but I want to get back to why I'm telling you this. 5781, the Muaka, pressure, be pressed, distress, anguish. Well, that is a perfect description of the Great Tribulation. Now, in 1989, here's why I'm telling you these things. In 1989, when I was a recipient of the pastoral and apostolic, or the apostolic anointing and gifting of my one and only pastor that I've ever had in my life, Pastor R. Paul Carroll. Paul Carroll was my pastor. I had never had a pastor before. I never even knew about that stuff. Pastor Paul, my pastor, labored in my life for three and a half years, from 1987, and he passed away in 1991. He was a pastor for three and a half years, and I had the honor and the privilege to sit under the mantle of a man who was once in the CIA, played, played semi-pro basketball for the Detroit Pistons in their, their team that was raising up to the, to the hilt. Paul was an amazing entrepreneur, but God reduced him and brought him down to his knees, and he was supposed to die in six months from a diagnosis of bone cancer, 
and he woke up the next morning after a horrible experience that night, and God turned his life around, and God emptied that man out, turned him upside down, turned everything around, and Nate Colbert, who was a uh, player for the San Diego Padres, also became the chaplain for the San Diego Padres back in 1987, knocked on the door of Paul and Patricia's house, and he walked in and ordained Paul to be a pastor, called him into the ministry, which Paul was running from. But when he accepted it, he started a Bible study in their kitchen with three people because Paul didn't like religion. He didn't want to be part of organized religious systems. Uh, He grew up in the Presbyterian church. He wanted nothing to do with it, but he had a personal experience as a little boy at seven years old with God. And that carried him through his life. And so now the call to come into the ministry, it was a pretty amazing thing. So God told him, forget everything you've ever learned. Open my Bible afresh. I want to show you things. And I grew up under what God was revealing to Pastor Paul. And in 1989, I asked my pastor a question. And by the way, he wasn't only a pastor because they never wanted more than 50 people or so because they felt that that's what a true pastor needed to be in the heart of the people, of the sheep, if you will. And if you were going to do that effectively, you can't have a mega ministry with 3,000 people in it because then you get sub-shepherds and all that stuff. No, they just felt like if I'm going to be a pastor, I'm not going to get above your knees. I'm, going to, I'm here to serve you, people like me that needed more help than Carter has liver pills. And, and yet my pastor got on his knees, six foot four, and served to build myself and so many other people up in our lives. So in 1989, I asked pastor who was an apostolic individual. He's more apostolic than anybody that I've ever heard call themselves apostolic today. I mean, he never once called himself an apostle, but you will have met an apostle when you have met pastor R. Paul Carroll. And it was not his doing. It was an anointing, but nobody knew what to call it. And we just love pastor Paul. Now in 1989, I asked pastor, I said, Pastor Paul, when do you think Jesus will return? You know, I'm a young Christian back then. I mean, we're talking 31 years ago, 32 years ago. Pastor Paul, when do you believe Jesus would come? That's not a bad question for somebody in the church to ask their pastor. And I remember he looked at me and he didn't go into all this detail about why he thinks this. He just said, I believe the Lord will return in 2024. And I remember saying, 2024, that is so far away. I mean, you know how it is when you're ready to go and the word comes and you're thinking Jesus could come at any moment. We grew up with that. Get ready. Get your life ready. The Lord could come when you least expect him. And so we're all anticipating and waiting. And 2024, now I had no idea that the days, the years that followed, the last, the last 31 years that God would have done what he did in my life. But I do remember thinking, that's way off, man, 2024. And yet, folks, here's the reason why I'm talking to you about the Hebrew numbers 5781. Now, Pastor Paul, he spoke prophetically most of the time. I mean, he didn't have any vain conversation in his mouth. He didn't talk about anything. He loved life. He was a fun-loving person. He wasn't religious. He wasn't legalistic. But he was passionate to bring people up into the fullness of Christ. And it was his calling. That's who my pastor was. So the reason why I'm talking about 5781, watch this. 5781 begins on March 14th, two and a half months from now. 
Now, if I mark it, 2021, spring of 2021, right? That's March of 5781. So in spring, in our Gregorian calendar, March 2021, if I were to count one year, that would bring us from 2021 to 2022. That's one year. And then from 2022 to 2023 is two years. And from 2023 to 2024, the the spring of 2024 is three years. And then six months later brings us to the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, everybody says that Jesus is going to return during the Feast of Tabernacles because it's the Feast of Tabernacles being caught up together to meet the Lord, to be one with him. The wedding, you know, is all there. So if we mark from March 14th, the first day of the first month of the new year in the economy of God, and we realize three and a half years after that brings us to the fall of 2024. And again, this is just my musings, okay, of something my pastor told me. And when he said 2024, now I'm looking, and I'm looking at the number 5781 that will actually go into force on March 14th, just two and a half months from now. And it means the muaka, I'm going to say it again, pressure. That's the Greek word thlipsis that means tribulation. It means pressure and anguish and distress and pack your bags. It's almost like two and a half months from now, if it were to play out in the simplicity of how I'm saying it, there would be a packing. People will be mobile going into what is called the wilderness. Whatever that wilderness is, that's what it would look like. Now, what would have to happen between now and March 14th for the great tribulation, for the Revelation 12 devil and his angels to be fallen on this earth, there would have to be several things to be accomplished. I believe that there'd have to be a temple built in Jerusalem. I don't know if that will happen. I know it's, you know, you could erect a temple in days, you know, in one month, you could have a full-blown operating temple. It's already ready to go. That's a That's one reason. Um, There are some things of population reduction that would have to happen. There would have to be a war, a great war, and not a long war, just a war that will take out like a third of the population of the earth. There would have to be some famine and some pandemic. And so we may look and say, well, that is for years to come, and maybe it is. But in the next two and a half months, with what we're looking at in our own country right now, the national level of things, we know the global level is raising up, right? So in three days or on January 4th, you got that big thing going on in Georgia. January 6th, six days from now, you have a calling to Washington, D.C. January 20th is the big day. That is the day that the Civil War can explode in the United States of America. I mean, that, that, I mean we're talking 20 days now, three weeks to figure out where things are going to go. Because if things go and bombs keep going off in like uh, uh, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, if the bombs burst, if, if, if nuclear devices are released, if global war breaks out with laser weapons and supersonic you know, missiles, if, if all this stuff begins to happen, or now they're saying a super plague of COVID-19, I think they have that plan if Joe Biden doesn't win, They're going to probably release this super plague and a greater strain of virus. You know that the whole vaccine thing is all messed up right now. Nobody knows what the heck they're doing. I guess what I'm saying, it's not so far-fetched that the beginning 
of the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth could commence in two and a half months. Now, I'm just speculating. Believe me, I'm just musing on what my pastor told me. But my question is this. If it were reality, are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you healthy? Do you have your food? Is your conscience clear? Is your body full of light, right? We're talking about all these things. Now, another interesting thing about all of this is that when you talk about that word, 5781, the muaka, that word meaning distress, well, of course, I love to go to the scriptures, and I found it very interesting that in the book of Revelation, excuse me, in the book of Luke, and I want to go to Luke chapter 21, and I just want to do something here real quick. Luke 21, there shall be signs in the sun. So I thought this to be very interesting. Number one, Luke chapter what? Luke chapter 21. Today we're in the year 20. 21. And I also want you to know that we're in Luke 21, that in my Bible, what I'm about to share with you is, in Luke, is on page 2019, and then there's 2020. And I just thought this was all interesting. Last night we left 2020, right? So Luke 21, I won't get crazy with numbers, all right? But here's what it does say in Luke 21, 25. Luke 21, 25. Here's the scripture that lines up with the word of the number 5781, the Muaka. Jesus said, there shall be signs in the sun. Stay with me for a moment. Let's just line it up and see if there's something that settles, okay? There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. All right, so when Jesus is talking about the last days, the word sign there literally means a sign, a mark, or a token, okay? That by which a person or a thing is distinguished from others. It's a prodigy. It's a portent, an unusual occurrence, transcending the common course of nature. Well, I want to ask you a question. In 2014, I'm I'm just going to lay out the way I believe it. In Passover of 2014, was there an unusual occurrence? Okay, let me get back to the definition because I I think it's important. Was there an unusual occurrence transcending the common course of nature? The answer is yes. What was the unusual occurrence during Passover 2014 that transcended the common course of nature? Well, On Passover 2014, there was a blood-red moon. Now, there have been many blood-red moons throughout the history of the world, but this blood-red moon was the beginning or the first of four back-to-back blood-red moons on feast days. In other words, Passover 2014, blood-red moon. Tabernacles 2014, blood red moon. Passover 2015, blood red moon. Tabernacles 2015, blood red moon. This was known in the scientific community as a tetrad of blood red moons. 
These were to be a sign, a portent. It was an unusual occurrence. It doesn't happen all the time. It's happened before, but not all the time. It transcends the common course of nature. So when Yeshua said there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, we saw in 2014 and 15 an unusual occurrence, a sign in the moon. Now, when you study out the tetrad of blood red moons and go back and you realize major events happened during tetrads of blood red moons, including Israel in 1492, I believe it was, being excommunicated out of Spain, and uh, the tetrad of blood red moons, and I think it was 1967. Uh, and, and there's just a history on it that is phenomenal. It, it's, it's amazing, really. And what do the sun, moon, and stars tell us? Well, in Genesis 1.14 again, just to bring back your memory, in Genesis 1.14, God put the sun, moon, and stars for signs and seasons, for omens and for moeds. So when there's a sign in the heavens, you're supposed to look at it like a star of Bethlehem. And the wise men, they knew coming out of Babylon that when they saw a sign in the heaven, they were to follow that sign. And it was to bring them to something. Something was happening on earth when the sign was in the heaven. Now, when a sign shows up in the heaven and we all begin to recognize that sign, it's a signal of what will come, what will be. So Yeshua said that there shall be signs in the sun and the moon. Now, was there a sign in the sun? Well, after the 2014 and 2015 sign in the moon event of the tetrad blood red moons, there came the sign of the solar eclipse that everybody talked about that made an actual mark right down the center of the United States of America. It started in Portland, Oregon, which is now overrun by Antifa and Black Lives Matter, nightly violence. It's a nightmare what's going on in Portland. That's where the solar eclipse began in Oregon. And and that whole western uh, seaboard, right, that whole Seattle, Portland, All of that area, that's where the solar eclipse began in the United States, and it went all the way to Charlotte, North, or South Carolina, and it went right down the middle. Now, we know another one's coming, and it's going to create a perfect X in 2024. Wow, 2024. So we had this incredible sign in the sun, an unusual occurrence, and there was a lot more data behind that. Then... In September of 2017, on September 23rd, what happened all over the world? There was a constellation known as the constellation of Virgo, the Virgin, right? And there was a woman that was giving birth to Jupiter, I believe it was. There were 12 stars, which were the Leo, which has nine stars, but there were three planets that joined those nine stars, forming a crown of 12 stars on the head of Virgo while she's giving birth. That whole thing happened. That constellation, most have said it hasn't occurred in 5,000 years. That constellation appeared in 2017. So we had 2014. Now we're in 20, we just had six years of what I would call the signs of the times marking the beginning of sorrows leading to 
the great tribulation period. Now, Jesus said it this way. There shall be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars. Now, yes, that's happened before. There have been many signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And upon the earth, upon the earth at the time of this display, distress, which is one of the definitions of 5781, of nations, not you, not me, not the overcomers, not the ecclesia, that is of nations. Now, what does the word distress mean? The word distress is sunoka, and that word sunoka means restraint, anxiety, anguish, and narrow, to make narrow, okay? And it it becomes a very narrow pathway. What it's talking about in the restraint, in the restriction, in the anguish, it's a woman in travail. There will be distress of nations, a distressing, narrowing time. The nations are going to go into a time of contraction, um, a, a, a time of narrowing. But it comes from a deeper word. The deeper word is the suneko, and it just simply see, talks about um, to hold together or to compress, to perplex. So amazing definitions. Point being, going back to the scripture, Luke 21, in the year 2021, 5781, two and a half months ahead of us, the muaka. Pressure, be pressed, pack your bags, distress, anxious, all these other um, definitions, affliction. There shall be signs in the sun, moon, and stars upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The word perplexity there in this narrowing time is the aporia, and the aporia literally means a state of quandary, a state of quandary. Mm a state of one who is in perplexity, quandary. It comes from a deeper Greek word, Greek word, the aporio, and it means to be without resources. Listen to me. The scripture, the definition of what Jesus was saying is that there would be perplexity. There would be a time without resources. It means to be in straits, that narrow, to be left wanting, to be embarrassed. It's going to be an embarrassing time for people that were living as they will, all of a sudden to be without resources, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, financial, whatever, to be at loss with oneself. Its definition goes a little bit deeper. People are going to stand in doubt. They're not going to know which way to turn. Perplexity, confusion, chaos, narrowness, restriction. My God, what's going on? Well, the sun, moon, and stars are telling us something's coming on the earth that's going to create an atmosphere among the nations of the earth that eventually are going to lead them into the bondage of receiving the mark of the beast, sealing their eternal fate unto damnation. That's a terrible thing. So we need to realize that the definition, again, means to have no way out, to be at a loss mentally, stand in doubt Do you know what kind of an atmosphere is that when you don't know what to do? I'm sure we've all felt it to a degree. You get into a place, you're perplexed. I don't know what to do. I love that Jehoshaphat, when he didn't know what to do, he prayed to God and he says, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. 
There comes a time in our lives we don't know what to do, but when we keep our eyes on Jesus, which was the, the main theme that we heard last night from all the different speakers, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We heard it again and again. So everywhere around you, people are going to be perplexed. They're going to be in doubt. They're going to have no way out. They're not going to know what to do. They're not going to have resources. And now those who have prepared, they're going to come knocking on the door of your ark, and they're going to say, we want your oil. And the wise virgins are going to say, no, you're going to have to go get your own, and then they're never going to see them again. All right, because this is the time of the wise virgins. You, we, you and I have to wake up. Is there a pattern here? That's all I'm asking. Is there a pattern? I think there is a pattern, but let's go a little bit further. And we're told that there will be distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. The waves are roaring. And that is the akio, and it means that there's going to be a sound to make a loud noise, to reverberate, to reverberate. In other words, it's going to boil down to a great shaking. There's going to be a great reverberation. The times that are coming are going to shake everything that can be shaken. God said he, not, he was going to shake not only the earth, but the heavens too, so that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And as we heard last night from another brother, the shaking is not just the earthquakes that are going to happen, and there are going to be some big ones coming up, but it's going to be the shaking of these times to shake people off the foundation of their faith. And if you've built your life on the sand, there's been no foundation, no gospel. My God, your house is going to fall quickly. And I believe in the next few days, the, the level of pressure that's coming and, and this time of the enemy kind of making landfall and waking up and releasing fury, I believe there's going to be this reverberation begin. I believe we're coming into it. In other words, and I know everybody says, New Year, happy days, and it could be in Jesus. It's always 82 and sunny in Jesus, okay? But the reality of what Jesus said about the last days in this pattern is, to me, very interesting. So a great shaking is coming, and you and I will be shaken, but if, there, if there's anything in us that can be shaken, I guarantee you it's going to be shaken. And when it's shaken, it should be taken out of the way. Don't let the shaking take you out of the way. Let it take away from you what can be shaken. In other words, if it's not firmly rooted and, and grounded in love, if it's not firmly rooted and grounded in the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ upon the rock of Christ, it's not going into the kingdom anyways. So God will use the shaking to get things out of us that have been there too long as stumbling stones. So let it be. But a lot of people will be shaken off the foundation. This is the apostasy. This is the defection of truth. This is the, some departing from the faith. This time that's coming is going to do that. And that's the caution that I have in my spirit. These days that are coming, hard-pressed days, are going to shake people off their foundation. And this is biblical. It is scriptural. Then he goes on and says, men's hearts failing them. Well, there's none other than a heart attack here. It's the aposuko. And what it means is to breathe out or to faint, to swoon away. All right, so I'm just going to leave it at that. In other words, men's hearts are going to fail. They're going to faint. 
we're told, called not to faint, not to give up. You, what are you and I called to? Endure to the end. Endure to the end. Get that endurance in you right now by the spirit of the living God. Let the Holy Spirit come into you right now and build in you endurance. Let him build it in me. Endure, 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 endure. Keep walking. Keep running the race that is set before you. Keep being yielding to the Holy Spirit. Yield your life to the Holy Spirit. Submit to the Holy Spirit, right? Get the word of God grounded. Let the scriptures rewrite the script in your soul. Get the new DNA. Become transformed by the renewing of your mind. Become the new creation in Christ Jesus that God has called you to be. Put on the new man. Put off the old man. Take the instructions of scripture and do them. That's what's going to get you ready. Make sure you have a clear conscience before God and men. Get your conscience clear. Hallelujah. There are ways to do it. Breaking strongholds. I can't wait for tomorrow night what's going to happen at New Wine Ministry Church. God's going to do amazing things. But again, these are the words of God. Jesus said men's hearts are going to fail them for fear, for the phobia, for the terror, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. The devil's coming on the earth. Famine's coming on the earth. Tribulations coming on the earth. Pressure's coming on the earth. Anguish is coming on the earth. All this facade is going to be broken. There won't be any bride and bridegroom coming out of the closet. There won't be any uh, sound of a millstone. There'll be no more lamp of, there, you know, there are no more music and instruments. And it's all getting ready to come under something that God wrote about in his word that you and I should get it. And I just think it's very interesting after 2,000 years of being warned about this moment that we're now in the year 5781, which means muaka, which means pressure to be pressed, affliction, distress, pack your bags. And 5781 begins in two and a half months. In other words, watch, pray, be sober, get ready. And then Luke 21, the signs and the sun, moon, and stars, we just had them. Jesus called it in Matthew 24, verses 4 to 8, the beginning of sorrows. All this stuff that we've been in, beginning of sorrows. But then comes the great tribulation. That's how Jesus spelled it out in Matthew 24, verses 4 through 8. This is what's going to happen in global in general. Earthquakes, famines, wars, rumors of wars, deception, all these things going on. But then it's going to go from a global time of trouble to a specific focused persecution against the disciples of Jesus Christ, known as the Great Tribulation. The devil's in control. The people of the world worship the beast and the devil, and they all receive a mark. Those of us that are alive and remaining during this time, we're not to receive the mark. So we have to live without buying and selling in a world system, which means we need to prepare our ark. Come on, that's not mysterious, that's simple. Now, what does he say? Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. All right, I love that. And then, so he's describing the great tribulation. That's what Jesus is describing. And then in 27, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming. Why? Because the Son of Man comes immediately after the tribulation of those days. 
So ladies and gentlemen, I guess what I'm sharing with you is a very large general picture of a potential, of a possibility of what's coming. And it may not happen on March 14th. You know, nobody's got perfect time. It could be a year from now. Who knows? I'm just saying in general, this is going to happen. And it's interesting how the numbers are lining up, how the stars and the heavens are lining up. There seems to be a lot of lining up. And there seems to be a lot of prophetic lining up as well, as well. The Greek number 2021, if you go to the Greek concordance and you find the number 2021, that word actually refers to undertaking or putting the hand upon, putting the hand upon or undertaking a mission, a job, an assignment to undertake something, a responsibility, a response to what you're hearing, ability. You have the ability, as I do, to respond to what we're hearing. I always like to provoke, because I, and not me personally, I, I, I love it when God provokes to see what's in us. Because however you and I respond to pressure reveals what's in our heart. How do you respond to criticism? How do you respond to insult? How do you respond to being misunderstood? How do you respond to reproof? How do you respond to rebuke? How do you respond to trouble? And you see, we have the response ability or the ability to respond in the proper way. But if we haven't responded in the proper way, it's revealing what's in our hearts. And while God has allowed trials and testings and persecution to come and try us to see what kind of response he would get from us, these have been very small in comparison to what is coming. A greater trial, a greater force. And when we get confronted in these coming days, the opportunity that we will have is to respond properly. We will have the ability to respond properly. And when we do that, the opportunity of what the devil's going to bring in a proper response reveals what? We are the true overcomers. We are the elect of God, the chosen of God, in whom God has worked out a salvation, in whom God has prepared a character, in whom God has formed a mind of strength and power and authority like Jesus. Nothing came against Jesus that wasn't like water off a duck's back. In other words, if you're afraid of the shaking that's coming, probably your response is not a good one. You have a response ability to respond to the moment of crises with the proper response. So do I. Just know that you have the ability to respond properly. And if you do, it shows who you really are. You are a son of God and a daughter of God. So when people are thinking, oh, you're talking about all this negativity, you know, all this stuff and all this pressure and all this packing and all this stuff. Man, I just wanted to have a nice day. Wait a second. That's not a proper response to what is being said. The proper response is, hallelujah. 
I am strong and the spirit of the Lord is in me. I have repented of my sins. I have no secret sin. I've confessed all my sin. My conscience is clear before God and men. I've asked for forgiveness wherever I miss the mark. I'm not receiving the offense. I'm not walking in fear. I have a supernatural blessing of God growing up on the inside of me. Well, bring it on then. Bring it on. Let it come. God said through Peter, tell the church, hurry up the day of the Lord. Hurry it up. Hasten it. Second Peter chapter 3. Hasten the day. Hurry it up. So many Christians love Babylon earth that they just want to keep God back and let me live my best life now. But the spirit of the Lord is yearning in people to call forth the kingdom of God into this earth. We're not satisfied with the abortion. We're not satisfied with the perversion. We're not satisfied with the present decor of this earth, the globe, the country, the local assembly, whatever. We're not satisfied. So we got to get our own decor settled, our own cosmos settled, all right, decorated with the kingdom of God, and then hurry things along. So the proper response to these end times is not, well, I don't believe that, or I don't want to hear that, or, oh, my God, I'm terrified of that. The proper response is, okay, Lord, if there's coming something to confront me, the only authority it will have is over what is in me that is not going into heaven anyways. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, the giant that I've described this week that's coming in the first few days and weeks and months of the new year is no different than Goliath that came against Israel. The question is, do you have a Davidic heart? Remember what it says in Zechariah in that day? The most feeble among them shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God. Do you have a Davidic heart? Do you look at this roaring lion, this, this giant, this Goliath, this thing that's coming, and is your heart so pure and so clean that you could say, what are you talking about, giant? I'm going to take you down today. I'm taking your head off. Can you confront the Goliath that's coming? Because your heart's right. Well, if you, don't, if you don't have a pure conscience, you can't. Because an impure conscience darkens the light that is in you. And your whole body is full of darkness and fear and dread and worry and anxiety and sickness. That's what's going to happen if your conscience isn't clear. But if your conscience is clear, Christ has forgiven you, the blood has washed you, and, and the Word of God has continued to regenerate you, and the Holy Spirit's in you, your whole body will be full of light, and that light will produce energy, anointing, revelation, wisdom, knowledge, truth, exploding from within you. And then you put that together with other believers. Who cares what's going to happen in the last days about the great tribulation? If you're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people at that time, man, that's going to be glory. That's going to make all church pale in comparison to what will happen in the, in the congregation of the saints who have a clear conscience before God. Man, I'm telling you, the response to what we're talking about has to be a Davidic heart. I'm going to take this thing out, but God's giving it some time. So I'm going to stand on Mount Zion with 144,000. We're going to be witnesses to what's going on around the world. We're not going to come under the deception of it. We're going to see it for what it is, but our time is going to come when we come riding in and make war with the Lord and judge the earth and execute the judgment written. We're not 
fearing what's coming, we are actually saying, yes, Abba, bring it on. And if there's anything inside of me that is uh, chaff, it is uh, uh, goat nature, if it's human nature, flesh, it has to go. It has to go. You cannot be Christians and walk in the flesh. It's hell. It's opening doors to demons. I don't care how much of the law of Moses you think you know. That never took care of the flesh nature. You need the cross to slay your human flesh nature as I do. You need Jesus, the king of the cross, in your life. I don't care how how much the other stuff you participate and practice in. There's no salvation in keeping the law of Moses. None. Salvation is from the human nature, the flesh, the world, the devil. Salvation is being made whole, spirit, soul, and body, being cleansed in your conscience and your subconscious, in your soul, walking in fruitfulness. Come on. That's where it has to be. If there's any flesh, if we walk in the flesh, we die. Every time you get in the flesh or I get in the flesh, we're dead. And demons come and you feel the, the, the atmosphere of the demonic when you're in the flesh. It, it, it shipwrecks everything. Stay out of the flesh. Kill it. Reckon it dead. Put it on the cross. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to the flesh nature. That sin of the flesh nature. Come on. So... If we've been lollygagging around, if we've been allowing all the infiltration of demons in our soul, and we've been flirting with thoughts and ideas and strongholds and imaginations, we've been allowing them to remain and haven't gone to war against them and pulled them down through prayer and fasting or whatever, just faith. Faith will do what prayer and fasting could do. Strong faith. We we fast and pray for more faith, I think. It's what I do. So it's faith that will get you the victory, but you got to get the mind clean. Got to get this atmosphere up here clean. You can't allow Sodom and Gomorrah's atmosphere to infiltrate your mind. You have a greater righteousness. Lot didn't have the righteousness that you have. You have a breastplate of righteousness. You have a helmet of salvation. You have a shield of faith. You have a belt buckle of truth. Your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel, as we heard last night. Protect and guard your heart. Get cleaned up on the inside. Do it now. Just work, 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 getting it cleaned up. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling right here. And then whatever comes, and you're standing face to face with this mighty Goliath, this foe, this devil that's coming, the only authority he will have over you are the areas of your life that you have not submitted to the altar of sacrifice and sanctification. Same with me. And so the, the Lord will allow these things to happen. The tribulation, he's allowing it to happen to get rid of the spots, wrinkles, and blemishes from all of his kids. Because the great tribulation ultimately is not against the world. It's against God and his church, the ecclesia, made up of Jew and Gentile. This is a time that God is going to allow the final generation to be confronted who washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and they came out of great tribulation having done it. No, this is the time that whatever's in us that we've allowed to remain that is not of God, 
is going to be confronted and exploited by the devil of intelligence. The devil has intelligence to what's going on in your soul and in your mind. If you walk in unforgiveness, if you walk in fear, if you walk in lust, if you walk in pride, if you walk in jealousy and envy, if you walk in any of these little secret sins, it's all going to be exposed. And I'm telling you, the cover's going to be ripped off, and it's going to be a time where you're going to try to enter into a battle One foot in the kingdom, one foot in the world, you're going to get split in half. I'm telling you, this is what God's saying. You're either all in or you're all out. Better to be ice cold because if you're ice cold, at least you go under the delusion. You take the the blue pill and you go under and you take the mark of the beast and you live like everybody else until you die. And you just, whoop, and then you wake up in eternal damnation where the smoke of your torment rises up forever and ever and ever. Okay? But at least on earth, you're blinded to it. It's better to be cold, he said, than to be lukewarm. I'll vomit you out of my mouth, I think the Lord said, if you're lukewarm. It's all in or all out, folks. 2021, it's going to separate everything. Everything is going to be separated. And God's heart is to separate you and I from anything that offends him. Is there anything in your life that is offending God? Now you think, well, what would offend God? Unbelief, that offends God. Not believing in his word, that's an offense to God. And you could go on down the list and ask yourself, make a list. What what offends God? What would I do to offend God? Take his grace in vain? Use grace as a license to live carnal, fleshly lives? What else would offend God? Just think it out. And then, have I offended anybody? I know we all concerned about being offended by what people do and we shouldn't be. But have you marked out, do I have a conscience of offense toward men? Paul said he has a conscience devoid of offense toward God and man. Is there any offense? Have you created an offense? Have you asked for forgiveness for the offense? Has somebody offended you? Have you forgiven them and got rid of the snare, the trap? Because offense is a trap. It's a scandalizo in the Greek, a scandal against your soul to ensnare you and put you in prison. So you got to get rid of the offenses. Okay? We all do. And if we walk into this moment with them, it's not going to be a healthy time. That's all I know. So uh, let me say good morning to some people here. It is New Year's Day and We're enjoying the moment. Let's see what's going on in the chat room. We want to say good morning to Sarah Anchorman. Good morning, Sarah. God bless you. Welcome to the new year. Chuck Eastridge said a wow and an amen. Praise God, Chuck. God bless you for the wow and the amen. Happy new year to you, sir. Terry, Shannon. Hello, Terry. Happy new year, Vincent, in your house and your church. Amen. Terry, when are we going to see you again? When will I see you again? Terry, come to the house. We want to see you. Chuck says, yes, it was awesome. Praise God. Sarah says, my understanding is that the great tribulation happens the last three and a half years of this age after the third temple is rebuilt and sacrifices are started and ceased. And my thought is that could happen in 30 days when you really stop and think about it. Acceleration. Remember Romans, God says he's going to do a quick work. In other words, it's like a bottleneck all this time, time, time. And then suddenly there's an exponential filling up. It could happen. Time will tell. We should be ready either way. 
And I agree. By the way, what you said is true. Amen. Chuck, that's right on. Debbie Forrest, good morning. Revelation 12, flee into the wilderness. You got it. Pack your bags. 5781, March 14th, according to Exodus 12, begins the year in the Hebrew calendar, 5781. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, we have uh, Chuck is saying amen. Hidden in Jesus. Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year to you. Hidden in Jesus. So no pre-trib rapture? Heck no. There is no pre-trib rapture. Are we clear on that? If there's anybody out there today that sincerely believes in a pre-tribulational rapture, would you please let me know? And I want to talk with you about why you believe that. Okay? And I want you to, we'll line things up, but I don't think anybody at this point believes that. Uh, uh, This was earlier on in the broadcast where Sarah says, go Padres. That's because of um, the gentleman that anointed and ordained Pastor Paul into the ministry. God bless you. Yeah, the Padres, we used to hit some of those games. Um, Chuck is saying amen. True leader, praise God. We got a wow. Chuck, you're, you were very activated here. Chuck is saying this is incredible. I believe this. It's coming. Amen. Sarah says the covenant with death would need to be signed. Temple rebuilt. Ezekiel 38 and 39 with Egypt and other nations would need to happen. And then the Antichrist turns his heart against the holy covenant, attacks Israel, famine, inflation, large natural disasters. Well, consider it this way. So much of everything that was just said has been underway already. Famine, earthquakes, pestilences, signs in the sun, so much has already begun. Now comes the beginning of sorrows, the acceleration, the thrust, the birthing of what all this shaking has been in the last several years. I mark it from 9-11-2001 personally. Uh, So again, Chuck was moving on with us. Good. Terry, memories of your sermons when I attended some. I miss them. God bless you in your house. Again, Terry, get home. Come say hello. God bless you. Um, All right. We have uh, Alex Jones and a million others are seeing it. What's going on, I guess. Sarah, isn't that referring to the sun darkening and moon turning to blood? Certainly is. So this is way back early, around 938. Absolutely. And that happened before our very eyes. Um, Chuck, yes, that was definitely signs. Yes, it did. While we are living in the end times without a doubt. I believe that, Chuck. It's so true. So clear to me. Sarah continues. So I know you follow Joel Richardson. No, I don't, Sarah. I want to be honest with you. I know Joel. He's been to our church. He's ministered. But I don't follow Joel. I haven't talked to him probably two years. But let's see what we say here. Uh, They did an amazing study in their end of the age study on their app that lays out the days, which is so fascinating. I believe it's chapter 12 of Daniel. But there is a total of 2,520 days, 1,260 times three and a half years. First half is Revelation 11 to 13. Scripture says uh, from the time of daily sacrifice begins until the end of 2,300 days from the time the abomination of death. Yeah, you know what? I'm sure that that is absolutely fascinating information. What I know scripturally is the great tribulation will be three and a half years. Everything prior to the great tribulation spelled out in scripture will be known as the beginning of sorrows. I believe that everything the beginning of sorrows says it will be is already been. It's happening. A few more things, maybe more increase, more, more acceleration, more intensity. It's all there. And if it lines up with what they're saying, Hallelujah. Praise God. So Chuck says, I definitely need to keep my eyes to him and go deer hunting. (laughs) Do it, Chuck. And if you do go deer hunting and you catch a deer or you 
kill a deer, eat it, flavor it, and send us a piece. We heard that deer jerky and deer sauce and meat is really good. I had it once as a little boy, and it tasted really nasty. I've never eaten it again. So if anybody wants to share deer, it's really good. Let's eat manja. Debbie Forrest. Also, besides Jupiter, Saturn, December 2020, Jupiter enters Aquarius this March 2021, leaving Aquarius March 2022. So for about a year, neither in Aquarius, Saturn enters Aquarius, February 2023, age of Aquarius. I am not in astrology, just looking at these things too. Wow, Debbie, way to go. (laughs) The patterns are there, I'm telling you, we're not making fun of. Uh, Miss Kishawar says, amen. Kathy Bruns, when will the day come when people will cry, Abba, Father, come Lord Jesus? Today is the day to do that. My God, that began the day we were born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Chuck says, still working out on it, but should be doing better. Need to do all this. Thank you for making me see this. You're welcome, Chuck. He's praising the Lord. Time to wake up. Shirley Woolsey. Amen. God bless you, Shirley. Cheryl Harding, devil working overtime, doesn't want me to hear you this morning. Keeps putting distractions in the way so I can't listen to you. Praying God surrounds me with protection. Cheryl, may God bring you into his perfect peace in the name of Jesus. And may all those distractions and oppositions against your soul and your body and your life cease in the name of Jesus Christ. Ha. Have to be hot, not lukewarm, says Chuck. All right. So, Sarah, you just brought a plethora of thought that we need to go into deep Bible study with. That's what I'm looking forward to doing this year. For me, I want to go deeper because we've already been over so much, right? So much territory. Now, this word has to be presented with signs and wonders following. Jesus said, go preach my word, and I'll back it up with signs and wonders. In other words, the Apostle Paul said, there must be a demonstration of the word of God, not just talk. And I've seen some demonstration in our house, New Wine Ministry. I've seen the power of God. But I believe starting tomorrow night, there is going to be a ministry of Jesus that's going to take place in our house. I'm talking about it confidently. I believe in it. You know, my expectation for what we did last night, I'm not disappointed. Because there was a depth. There was a height. There was a width. There was a breadth of the presence of God that was in our midst last night. And when, I, when you go back and look at the simplicity of what was done, it was profound. The simplicity of the little things people were saying, they weren't little at all. They were so profound. This is the year, go back into the word of God. Eat the meat. Take this word. Eat the meat of this word. Get in there. Get a succulent appetite. Suck the milk out of the word of God. Drink the wine. Chew on the meat. Strengthen you. Equip you. Prepare you to stand in the evil day. So we're going to go into the word in our Bible studies on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Saturday and Sunday, we're going to get in the word, in the word. And I, you know what I believe? I believe God's going to unveil something we've never talked about before. Just like tomorrow night, we're going to have a service like we've never had before. 
we're actually bringing the tarps in to the gathering place because we don't want the floor to get messed up. So we're bringing tarps. It's time for God's people to be free. It's time for God's people to experience the delight demons being cast out of their soul, their conscience being cleaned, their afflictions being cast out. It is time. Why? Because it's the ministry of Jesus. It's always been time. But moving into this season, God's going to do something in the house. I wish to God every true minister of the gospel that operates in the power of deliverance would show up in the house tomorrow night because we're going to do something that's never been done before and we're going to work with the Holy Spirit to see God's people set free. This time of talking about stuff and never seeing change because the devil has a strong hold on areas of people's lives, a strong hold in the mind, in the soul, memory, emotional, all these different patterns of thought and cycles that go on. It's coming to an end. And I'm telling you, tomorrow night, the tarps will be laid out. And something God is going to do. He put it in my heart. He showed me what to do. I'm going to follow his lead, leave the results to him. No flesh, no man-made, nothing. Just let God be God. You come tomorrow, I wouldn't wear your best clothes tomorrow. I wouldn't wear, you know, pretty things, handsome things. I would show up tomorrow night like you were in to war. God is good. My prayer is that God is going to set his people free. I can't do it. My wife can't do it, Patricia. But God's given us a deliverance ministry, and there's a lot of people that need deliverance from afflictions. I believe those afflictions are coming because something in the conscience has darkened the light and the body is full of death. Worry, anxiety, fear, concern, doubt. It's got to end. God's people have to. You need to pray wherever you are right now. You need to pray that you find your way into the season of deliverance like you've never known it before for yourself. Because if you and I don't get delivered from the stuff that's been around all along, we're not going to be able to face what's coming from the spiritual realm to the global, to the national, to the local. We won't be able to stand against it, and we're going to suffer greatly. We may not lose our salvation, but we're going to suffer greatly. It's time to get this house clean. It's time to get this house. When Jesus courted a whip, he went into the temple, and he went to war. They made the house something other than what it was intended to be. You are God's house. You are a mansion. You are a a room within that house, and he wants it cleaned up. He doesn't want no demons, memories, emotions, patterns of influence, cycles controlling you. He wants the band off of your mind. He wants the uncleanness out of your conscience. He wants your soul cleansed. And there's an anointing to cleanse the soul. I call it the soul cleansing anointing. And between now and March, regardless of what happens, I think we are to dedicate ourselves from this day forward to the internal cleansing and washing. I'm not talking about religious 
rigidity. I'm not. I won't. I refuse that. Religious rigidity. I'm talking about, you know, rules. You got to do this. You got to do this. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being led by the Holy Spirit inside. And I know that when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, he leads us into places. Maybe he'll lead us into the wilderness for 40 days to fast. I don't know. If he does, will you do it? Will you follow him into the wilderness? If he leads you into the abundant fields of of fruitfulness, will you go there? Well, if he leads you beside the still waters like the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What have you been looking back at? The past? No. I'm telling you, if you look back, the only thing you should see is goodness and mercy following you. We're talking about taking the band-aids and and the wrapping stuff on the bruises of the mind where those wolf demons have been tearing at your soul, tearing at your soul, ripping to shreds. It's time. You've had some bandages on, curing the wounds. Now it's time to pour in the oil. It's time to pour in the wine. It's time to produce the healing, the restoration, to be made whole. No more deficiency, for the all-sufficient Christ shall be your sufficiency, saith the Lord. It's time for a healing of your brain, a healing of your mind and your soul, a washing, a breaking, a pulling down of the strongholds that were in your own conscience, casting down imaginations that were not from the Lord. They were false. They weren't God's imagination. They were imaginations that held you in bondage about things you're afraid of, how the devil's going to get you, what he's going to do. You went into hiding. You believed lies. A thought was planted in your mind. It became a hook in your mind, and it snared you, and you're trying to live the Christian life. It's time to break them. It's time to employ everybody that operates in deliverance, the gift the administration, the anointing. Let's do war. Let's go to war against the demonic in God's kingdom, having the authority and knowing, devil, you're not allowed in God's kingdom. And individual people are representative of God's kingdom. And you should not be schizophrenic. You should not be sick. I believe dementia, all these issues are demonic. I believe that. And I believe that because the conscience is darkened, like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he said, the light of the body is the eye, not the eyes, the eye, speaking of the faculty of the mind, the conscience. The light of the body is the eye. And when when the conscience is clear or single, the whole body shall be full of light. When you have a clear conscience before God and man, you have nothing to hide, okay? Your whole body will be full of light. And that means that sickness, that darkness, that fear, that, and that negative energy, all that stuff has got to go. You're going to be full of light. 
the anointing oil. Your candle's going to be lit. Life is going to go forth. Hallelujah. But if, Jesus said, your conscience be darkened or evil, in other words, there's stuff in there that's not of God, your whole body shall be full of darkness. And that's where the demons dwell. And the sickness is there, and the disease is there, and the unclean spirits are there, and missed opportunities are there, and a, and a, and a cutting off of destiny is there, and demons breathe there, and demons smell there, and demons reside there. And if they go uncontested, they remain there. So we got to get the conscience clean, deal with what's going on inside, so that miracles of healing, signs and wonders will begin to manifest like the man that had the legion of demons. He was out of his mind. 2,000 demons were controlling him, but he met Jesus, and Jesus cast that legion out. And that man was sitting how? In his right mind. It's time for your mind and my mind to be right and not allow demons to infest in our conscience, breeding this garbage that is making us tired, sick, no, it's time. Jesus said, examine yourself to see if the light in you is darkness. And how deep is that darkness, right? What he's saying, you, you and I want to serve the Lord. We're Christians. We're believers. We're trying to serve God, but there's something in our conscience that is darkening the light, restraining the light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify God. Don't, don't put your light under a bushel. In other words, he said, don't let the darkness of your conscience, the evil of your conscience, put a restraint on the light that is in you, which is Christ. It's time to take the bushel away. It's time to take the cover off. And it's your conscience. It's your soul. It's time for deliverance. And I don't know how. I'm just willing. I'm just standing before the Lord and I'm just saying, God, I am willing. I'm willing. Give me discernment. Show me how. I think that I'm united with my wife, Patricia, for 30 years. She's been in the deliverance ministry with one motive. She wants to see the captives set free. I think I've meshed with her perfectly in this desire. So tomorrow night we're going to have our meeting. That's our New Year's Day message. I hope it was a blessing to you. Praise the Lord. Saints, we love you. God bless you. God bless your heart. Hey, you want to do something new? How about today, January 1st, a first fruits offering to this ministry? Would that interest you? Do you believe that you could sow into this ministry and it'll produce good fruit? Some of you have tested it, and I pray that God blesses you. But if you are interested in sowing a first fruits for the new year offering between you and God, make sure you do that by going to our website at nwmglobal.org. That's it. NWM stands for New Wine Ministry, nwmglobal.org. Go to the donations tab. Give a first fruits offering for the new year 2021. Be bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. This is about internal cleansing before we're going to deal with anything out there. If the Goliath comes to confront you, let the heart of David, which is rooted in Jesus Christ, come up and say, you talking to me? You talking to me? Say that right now. Just, you talking to me? Are you, 
Are you talking to me, right? So, and five times I want you to say this. I have the mind of Christ. 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 Shalom. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Omega Radio. You can go to omegaradio.org. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I've got a song from Keith Green coming up. Then Patricia Joy Xavier is going to bring her roundtable discussion all about deliverance afterwards. Have a super blessed New Year's Day. We love you with the love of Jesus Christ and bless you. Come join the battle. Come join the army. Come join the end time army. Oh, I wish to God, God would tell all you guys that believe the same way to move to Northwest Arkansas. Join together and let's go forward as a militant end time people. Hallelujah. But anyways, be led by the Holy Spirit. We'll see you Tuesday. Oh, what a ride. Well, will we see you Tuesday? We may not see you Tuesday, folks. Tuesday, I believe my wife is going to be doing something with me. It's my birthday on Tuesday, so I will not be on the microphone Tuesday. You'll, unless God says to, I'll let you know. Either way, shalom. God bless you and happy new year. Welcome to 2021. It's going to be an amazing season. Shalom. <laughs>